0: Welcome back to cambro Conversations with your host Colin Campbell and today is episode 186 of the podcast and I'm joined by Callum Carver, the 19 year old entrepreneur and money man. Expect to learn about the multiple different ways that Callum has generated income online, including dropshipping, affiliate marketing, social media marketing, before his current businesses that he runs now. I learn about a lot of terms that I've not learned about before, including social media influencer pooling, and how you can scale this relatively new concept to a profitable business. Beyond this, I was really intrigued to ask Callum about what shaped him to be So astute and focused at such a young age, this leads to us discussing moving city to pursue big goals, dating and relationships while scaling your business, and being an outlier compared to your peer group. I took a lot from this conversation, and I think you can hear throughout the course of the next hour how impressed I was by some of the perspectives and insights that Calum shares. Today's podcast is sponsored and supported by the Young Entrepreneur Society, or YES for short. Yes is the UK's most exclusive entrepreneurship community where you can learn to create financial success in any industry that you turn your hand to. You'll be supported by Yes's Millionaire Coaching Network, Private Members Club and the Online Business Academy. I have been behind the scenes at Yes now since January time and the range of different courses and education available to you and the depth of it is absolutely fantastic. Ultimately, I have learned personally a lot about sales negotiation to add to the training that I've had in the corporate world over the years, but there's also courses on life mastery, mindset, social media marketing, property one-on-one, and even a 100k Fast Track, every month new courses are being added and these are going to be on e-commerce, affiliate marketing, and there's now even a fitness course too. Whether you have a business set up or not yet, or you're looking to scale your existing business, then the Yes Academy is the place to be. As a podcast listener, you can get up to 50% off the cost of either Yes Academy or the Yes Academy Lite, and the codes are in the show notes. Cambro for full discount off the Yes Academy, or Cambro Lite, spell L-I-T, for 50% off the Yes Academy Lite variation. If you want to really level up, I think the people that you're surrounded by play a massive role in that. And I cannot advocate getting involved in the S yes Academy enough. The last two weeks in the podcast have been pretty remarkable. Those that are following on Instagram have seen some of the charts that I've been sharing where the listener numbers have just climbed and climbed. And that is largely down to obviously producing good quality content, but you guys sharing it with friends and like-minded people that would enjoy it too. So if you are enjoying this one, make sure you're subscribed or following whatever platform you're listening on, and you take the time to copy and paste the link to a friend that you think would enjoy this episode too. The music's going to play, you're going to hear from myself and Mr. Callum Carver. Callum, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. And I'm really looking forward to getting into this one. And I opened up my podcast with our mutual friend, Sue Alan, by saying that he's the youngest guest I've had on the podcast, but you've just gone and outdone him. <laughs> I've beaten him. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's, it's a funny one because I think there's so many young guys nowadays that are doing really special things. And I think the internet has many pros, many cons, but one of the massive pros is that it's enabled people like yourself to do things at an age where previously it would have been like even more of an outlier.
1: 100%. 100%. I, I think I think age is also more of a benefit now, you know, because people see those young people because it's almost like a young person is kind of uh, in the same boat as social media it's linked so there's I feel like young people have more value as 10 20 years ago it's like a young person's just like um some naive child. So I think age carries weight as well now uh, being younger kind of I think you can use it to your benefit.
0: I certainly think so and I, th- I think if we're looking at like your expertise in particular areas by being young and almost reared on some of the technology that you've developed and expertise in gives you a massive advantage because one of the big drivers for earning power in the corporate world is years of experience in a particular industry. Mm. But it's actually impossible for people to have more experience than the people who started using the technology Mm -hmm. first because – because just by virtue of being older it doesn't matter because the technology only maybe been around if we're talking about TikTok or some of the different um, businesses you run they, they, they're young industries and for you young guys who like dipped your toe into business for the first time in those spaces i find it remarkable that you can achieve such feats at such a young age mm-hmm.
1: yeah no no i appreciate it i i think 100 i think you it's also although uh, experience is massive i think it's also a lot of companies are looking for like uniqueness and stuff of like that and new minds and new ideas and i think as a young person that is living in the space i think you also carry that uh which if you can use it to like as leverage to your advantage i think you're golden
0: yeah i love that and when i was doing my research for this i was i was seeing how before we hit record how well read you are and how well you come across in terms of being able to articulate those ideas as well because i think one of the worst flexes that i see online is somebody being like i've read 52 books last year one a week and then you you look at what ones can they actually bring forward lessons from and Mm -hmm. while there's a benefit to just sheer weight of books and being able to be like oh well i've just learned a lot across all of these one of the things that I think you do very well and you've you've done excellently well with your content is just being able to pick different books that you've read and say this is what I learned from this one and this is what I've actioned from this one because ultimately for me it's intellectual masturbation if you just read the books and do nothing mm-hmm. with them but one of the books that you've called out and I know it was one of the first books that you kind of let's say woke you up was Rich Dad Poor Dad what yeah, did you take yeah. on board from that
1: one? So Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it was a, it's a classic. I mean, I think I saw Rich Dad, Poor Dad off a TikTok video as well. It was one of those things where somehow I changed my For You page way back in 2020 to more of like a, a money For You page. Of course, it's cluttered with these kind of things of how to make quick money online and like these people doing side hustles and stuff. But there were some people who just gave books out. Um, and Rich Dad, Poor Dad was one that just like clocked on because everyone was like it's the first one you should read and when I read it I never read a book I mean I say never read a book before but I never like in depth sat down spent time reading books um and Rich Dad Poor Dad because I realized that if you read something that you're actually somewhat passionate about you just get sucked into it I remember because this was uh during lockdown as well I would take it to work and I would like sit and read it and that kind of stuff um as well as Cashflow Quadrants which is like his second one and it just kind of like Changed my whole perspective on everything. Um, it's such a cliche book as well because a lot of people read it as their first books. But I really do owe a lot of where I'm at now to that because it's just such a massive uh, sort of like mind opener.
0: It's very cool when you find that source that <laughs> makes you enjoy reading for the first time because yeah, yeah. school will probably be more fresh in your memory than it will be for me. But in school, you read to pass the exam or to write the coursework. Whereas once you're past school, you can read to fulfill different areas of interest, different desires that you have, different goals that you've got. And it's funny how scrolling TikTok, which has a lot of negative connotations, has resulted in you picking up a book, which has probably set you on a path that most people would consider to be quite an exciting one.
1: Yeah, no, no, 100%. 100%. I think it's also, as I say, you know, reading doesn't it doesn't really excite anyone until you read about something that you're interested and excited about because then it's just like watching you know if there was books about football the people that love football would probably read those books but because of it's very visual uh, they read uh, they watch it but if you can find something that you're interested in and read about it you can just fall in love with reading uh, and it's really hard to tell people to read because it's always linked with school and boring and that kind of thing which i do completely get but i'm just like once you read it and you're interested in it if you want to make money read books about money uh, you know and then obviously you may find a passion for reading uh, and as we both know you know books books hold a lot of secrets so I think it's such a good um sort of like hobby to get into.
0: I would certainly agree with that. What kind of impact and actions came off the back of you reading that book then? You were taking it to work with you and you were studying the pages and you were like wow I actually enjoy this this reading thing which everyone has kind of previously made me feel like it was boring but this is this is a different kettle of fish.
1: Yeah, yeah. So reading uh, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because it was one of those, it's one of those books where it's very fundamental based, right? So number one it's you can extract a lot from it. A lot of, uh, I think the first couple of TikTok videos I made, I think the first video I made, which I'm private now because it was awful, was uh, I was showing off books I got for Christmas. uh, And it was like four books around finance and money and stuff like that. Because a couple of weeks before I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I was like, I need more of these. I'm addicted to it. Um, And like maybe my first six or seven videos uh, within them, a few videos I made were about rich dad poor dad and I was like assets liabilities you know a, a like middle class subclasses kind of thing because it just it's just a different perspective which I don't, I think a lot of people don't realize uh and I think it was that you know I think my drive or my my need for more kind of got clicked on as like cool I actually don't want to because it was it uh, I was uh at college and it was like do you go to uni and this kind of thing and that's when it clicked it's like because I think a big aspect in the book is like um, whether you go down the union education route or you go and do your own thing. And that was like um, sort of like a, an idea that I had to play about in my head. Um, and I think Rich Dad Paul I just helped me sort of see a different perspective, which obviously you don't learn unless your parents teach you because school doesn't teach you that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm very thankful for
0: it. Yeah, sounds good. And what was the path that you did decide to take at that kind of crossroads, Calum?
1: So I didn't go to uni in the end. Um, I was at the stage. Um, I'm not sure how, how it is in uh, Scotland and stuff like that, but I was at the stage where I either go to uni or I go get a job uh, or whatever it is, or an apprenticeship or that kind of thing. So at the very end of college um, and I remember everyone was talking about uni. It's like the topic of like the couple months whilst everyone is discussing it and sort of seeing, you know, you're talking to your mates, where are you going? What, what's happening, this kind of thing. Uh, and I was kind of like stuck in the mud a bit. Like I don't want to go to uni, but also I don't really want to get a job uh, because really rich that poor dad is like pay for your time and this kind of thing. So I was like being always bombarded with information and now having to choose my own route. So at the time I had a part-time job just whilst I was at college because it's the kind of thing you do when you're 16 years old. Um, and I think it just helped me have the idea of, you know, how much your time is valued and that kind of thing. Because I was going to get a job in um, in um property, like cl- try and climb a ladder. So going very, like a uh, very low down the bottom as like an apprentice kind of thing. Um And then they gave me an offering. I think it was like a grand a month for like 40 hours a week. I was like so close to accepting it. But then, you know, the idea of like that means I'm valued at like four pounds an hour or something um hit me. And then I just started trying to look into my skills and my expertise because I started posting on TikTok at that time. So I think with Rich Dad Poor Dad, it's like, how's it affected me? It's just given me, it's just planted seeds in my head. I think it was nothing that I like read it and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to follow this path in life. It was more like these are those different seeds that just thrown at me um, and things that whenever I now come to a decision or when I came to a decision, I would think, not what, what Rich Dad Poor Dad say, but it's like, what have I learned from there? How's that, you know, what direction can I take and that kind of thing? So, yeah, I think it just throws a bunch at you. And then whatever you consume sticks, that's what you take on. So, because it's a very fundamental book, I think it's very good because it's like, yeah, these little seeds are planted in my head. So, it helps me sort of make decisions.
0: So, rejecting that property job where you'd be going in at the entry level, like you see, very well, money, lots of expertise to be gained and learned during that time what did you choose to do instead that you said you mentioned you were posting on tiktok by that point already so you were clearly somebody that was willing to expose himself to something different
1: yeah 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 so I, I did i did want to take the property job and i did understand the experience and stuff and it's not just the money but you climb the ladder and that kind of thing but it was just that thing that killed me because obviously time is very valuable. And I knew that if I working at the property, property job, I would be 18, 19, 20, still holding on to the idea of I'll do something differently shortly. But, you know, I think you just got to make the most of it. So I, I didn't do that instead. And I started doing uh, social media marketing. So I literally went to restaurants in my area and basically offered this idea of like, I will post on Instagram, and Facebook for you, which now is like an awful offering because I don't really care for it. Um, but that was a thing I did because i would already been t- posting on TikTok probably for about, two months and I was doing affiliate marketing on TikTok so that's why I started TikTok I read Rich Dad Poor Dad I got into like the affiliate marketing space where people would just post videos like upper teenagers and I was like I can do that too of course you go through a stage in school where people are like uh, you know taking a mick out of you and stuff like that but it's sort you sort of over, overcome that um, and I was like okay cool I need to do something my parents were very good about it as well there was never any pressure to like go get a job it was more just like um they they would help me out with bits and bobs so social media uh, management is what i did uh local restaurants in the area and stuff like that i went through that whole journey terrifying like putting like a nice little suit and tie on going to them uh trying to do cold calls uh you know like shaking whilst i'm calling them and stuff like that so i went through like all the different uh trials and tribulations and that kind of thing um to start off yeah
0: you mentioned um, affiliate marketing. Was that where you made your your first money? I think I'm sure, I'm sure I've seen you say that was where you made your first thousand pounds, and it was kind of like that light bulb where oh, you can make money online.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So affiliate marketing was um was crazy. Like I say, there was other teenagers posting about it, uh, and I joined this course essentially uh, that basically taught you how to start affiliate marketing, and then would say you can do it for us. So it was kind of the Andrew Tate thing uh, of what he did with Hustle University, um, and I started doing affiliate marketing for for them, um, and there was a like a community of other teenagers doing it. Uh, and I, I remember my first, cause it was like a $7 course and you get like 20%. So I think you'd get like $2.80 or something per um, per um thing. So it was awful. But I remember the first like payment I got across. Um I have like a picture of it on my Snapchat memories. And then I just kind of scaled from there. It didn't do too well, uh, but I did in the course, essentially they try and upsell you and they'd be like, cool, at the end of the course, you can either do affiliate marketing for us or pay $2,000 and then you'll learn this. And then if someone that you, um someone that goes for your link to the course then goes free the upsell, you get cut of that as well so it was like one of those big high ticket things i remember i got the payment in a photography class and uh, my friend was recording and i was like shaking because i mean a thousand pounds it's huge especially at 18 when i'm juggling the idea of you need going to get a job and that kind of thing so i it, with getting that payment it didn't like make me think affiliate marketing is the thing i'm going to pursue it was more like i can make money online you can do this uh, and there's other options
0: it's really interesting because, like you say, you mentioned Andrew Tates Hustle University, where people are benefiting from being part of the 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 club, so to speak, and then getting other people to join with yeah, them. Yeah. And there's there's definitely a benefit. And like I definitely think like sincere recommendations make me make choices. Like one of the main ways that this podcast has grown to where it is now is somebody listening to us right now is like, I'm really enjoying this conversation with Colin and Callum. I'm gonna share the link with a friend. Yeah. Now they're not incentivized by that in terms of me paying them, but sincere recommendations and getting people involved in different things is a vital way to kind of like grow a community Mm -hmm. and when you've been able to prove that business model in terms of let's say you built your audience on TikTok I know it's massive now but at that time it was like let's say 10,000 people or whatever you potentially 10,000 people that might want to do the affiliate affiliate marketing work that you're doing or they go through that process and then they decide like you say to take that higher tier course so you get a bigger kickback off the back of it so it's a it's an interesting model, and I hosted it. It would have been almost a couple of years ago now. Uh, a guy called Aaron Will on Twitter, and um, his full name, name is Aaron William, uh, Williamson, I think, a uh, Welsh guy, and he he affiliated for a guy called Dan Co. I'm sure you've seen his stuff online, and um, before he's like a big productivity guy. He affiliated for his course, and that became like his main revenue stream, like 10, yeah. like ten grand a month. And he was basically he loved Dan Cole's course and started affiliating other people for it so there are people who make a tremendous living from it i do think there's an element of it being hard to have enough mouths to feed at that point like the Mm. the, the, as like if you're very very popular you can do it but if you i don't think there's many people that can turn it into like the thing for like in terms of in the volume that maybe the some of the stuff that we're going to end up talking about that you do now
1: Yeah, no, no, I completely agree. I mean, with the affiliate marketing stuff, the only reason I posted on TikTok was because of this whole idea of you need an audience, you need traffic. So I never actually had an intention of I'll grow a massive following in the future. It was more just like if I can make a video saying I made money from doing this and someone else tries to make money too, I can make money off it. So that was like the whole idea around it. But affiliate marketing is fantastic. Um, You know, I would still recommend it to people if they want to get started because not only does it kind of break the barrier of you posting on social media, which then opens up a whole new avenue but also if you make a bit of money online uh you know there's no cost as well or something like that which is all good um so yeah affiliate marketing is was a fantastic kind of like get in there get in the door
0: that's a huge point like everyone looks back on the first thing they do and you'll have learned so much from that that you probably take forward now, like some of the things that you posted in terms of how you grew your audience, the mm-hmm. way that you position different videos. I'm sure like you look at some of those early videos, like you say, and you put some of them on private cause you're like, Oh God, I, I don't want that being seen <laughs> by the world. But by you doing those reps, then that's why you're able to do the reps in a better way. Now in the same way, the first time you tried to put a barbell on your back and squat, you're probably shaking, shaking like a shitting dog. Whereas if you do it for years and years and years and it compounds, you go in and you warm up the twenties on either side, you then put the other twenties on, you're doing reps. It's uh, it's like many of us forget the early part of the process and like neglect it. And I think far too many people don't start. And I guess if, if you were a good example, Calm, you would probably say to people, Yeah, affiliate marketing, if you're looking to make money online for the first time is a good entry point. It's maybe not where you finish up, but let's let let's let's start the process.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Like I say, you, you're sort of doing two, killing two bars at once. You know, if you're posting affiliate marketing, you're building a personal brand and that kind of thing. And it's just, like you say, it's breaking the ice, right? It's posting that first video, lifting that first weight, which then makes you go, it's actually not that hard, you know? And then you can hate your first few videos, but that allows you to grow and improve and see where you hate, what you hate and what you can improve in this kind of thing. So um, yeah, 100%, fantastic avenue to start on. And I'm very glad. It's also just weird. Like there's one TikTok video that I saw affiliate marketing, I was like, you know, it piqued my interest. Clicked on the website, went through it, and that kind of thing. And obviously, TikTok says you like affiliate marketing, and then I got like flooded by it for the next week. Um, and then I finally picked it up.
0: It's so funny. What did you learn from doing the social media marketing for for the restaurant? What was that like?
1: Yeah, so um, the social media marketing it was it was interesting because I was very new. I mean, I didn't understand social media that well at this point. I probably had about forty k followers, I think, on TikTok. Um, which, bear in mind, that was like twenty. 2020 or the beginning of 2021 so it wasn't that hard to grow on tiktok like you you could grow quite easy and now it's a little bit harder but you know you can sort of just post trends and stuff like that and people will follow um so i didn't have that many skills but it was more just i think i learned how to communicate with people was a massive one as well because i had to go in and i had i i laminated like a piece of paper that i made on canvas sharing some packages of like is I can go your business. And that was terrifying. Like it's breaking the ice of that as well. But then I got very confident and I went and did it to another restaurant, um, which was uh, you know fantastic. And then I basically kind of took it offline, uh, online, sorry, because I knew there's only a certain amount of restaurants in my area. And if I'm doing it for all of them, I'm kind of almost competing against myself. Uh, so I was like, cool, I'll take it online. I then became a freelancer on Upwork, doing the exact same thing. That worked really well uh, for like a period of time, maybe about three months. Um, and i had like a crypto company i had like an e-commerce company this kind of stuff and i was making like some decent money online from nothing i just like put everything into it um, and then it kind of came crashing down but i guess we can talk more about that in a minute
0: yeah that's 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 so interesting how that thing scales and like you say you initially do the the cold approaches in person and they were very intimidating but doing those Enabled you to be bold enough to maybe have some case studies to approach companies online with, so you can slide into the DMs or their or their official email and say, "Look, I do some um, social media marketing for um, such and such restaurant. Here's the growth that we've had in the last month." And they're like, "Okay, this guy's legit." Whereas if you hadn't done that initial scary step of walking in with the with the laminated Canva brochure, you wouldn't (laughs) have got that either.
1: Yeah, no, completely agree. It's just also believing in yourself. I think you know, you, you no one wants to do that because it's scary and it's you know what's the worst that could happen if you went and did it? You know, I could have fallen over smacked my head and I would have forgotten about it like three weeks later. So it's also that thing of you, you go in because you're scared, you know Um, it's, it's the fear that kind of makes you not want to do it and overcoming that. And I always talk about like overcoming your lower self, the like voice in your head that says, now we're comfortable, stay where you are overcoming that. And then actually going and doing, it, I think was huge because it gave you a lesson of like, you know what you've got to seek discomfort. And then um, obviously you'll grow from it.
0: That's a really interesting term, the lower self. How does that compare to maybe what your peer group were seeing at that time? Because I mentioned at the very start, you, Suet, some of the younger guys that I've had in the podcast recently, you're outliers, you're different to your peer group. And that's why you're maybe on a podcast at like this one talking about these things. <laughs> Whereas yeah. if you were just a standard 19 year old, you're probably not going to be on a self-development podcast that speaks to people about pursuing the best self and all these different interesting things. You're probably going to be listening to a self-development podcast mm-hmm. and trying to, try, 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 trying to level up. But that lower self, how does that relate to like do you think it has an overlap with like what your peers are maybe saying to you at that point in terms of Calum, that's weird why are you doing that all that kind of a uh, limiting chatter i suppose
1: yeah yeah so so your lower self is um a really cool concept i actually wrote about it in like a newsletter I did the other day but essentially what, what i see it as it's the voice within your head that wants you it's like your it's your survival voice right that wants you to stay comfortable it wants you to be safe because your survival brain looks for food, shelter, and then just safety, right? That's all you want. So your lower self is the kind of voice that you hear in your head when you wake up in the morning, early in the morning, and you want to go back to bed and your voice like, you know what, you can take another hour. That's when you are like splash water in your face, say fuck that, I'm going out, that kind of thing. It's also lower self where you run a cold shower and the voice in your head says, do we need that? You know, we can stay comfortable, we're fine here. Uh, and you've got to like kind of shut it out. So I don't know how much I kind of uh, thought about that before, the lower voice, but you know, it's, it's definitely always there um and i think you just have to suppress it over time but in terms of like with like peers and stuff like that you always think there's a there's another route right but i think it's i I learned quite early on luckily that you have to literally jump into a pool of discomfort before you can grow because i think you're better off doing something that you have no idea what the next step is and then like assessing your surroundings and then figuring out what the next step is and then you only like grow from it learn develop skills um yeah from that
0: I think it's a great concept and anything that gives you a framework that allows you to make decisions. So say, for example, you do roll over and you want to hit the snooze button. If you've got that whole kind of, you can almost create the lower self as like an enemy. And I think a lot of people benefit from creating like an adversarial relationship yeah. with the worst version of sales or even like an adversarial relationship with a competitor sometimes that can drive you that little bit more so like you can be like by getting up at this time i've beaten the lower yeah, self i've defeated 100%. the lower self so no i'm a big big fan of that that mindset but you said that the the social media marketing didn't didn't last beyond the kind of honeymoon period. what what happened there because i i do see people still running that type of business but maybe in a slightly different way
1: yeah 100 so in social media marketing the whole service offering was kind of just like posting on social media it was like consistent posting and growth and stuff like that starting out that's a fantastic business to run because especially as a teenager you know how to do that right you spend your life on on tiktok and instagram and stuff like that so as long as you can learn the basics of graphic design on canva and stuff like that then you're sorted but i, I think i ran that for about three months um and like i said i was, I was making some good money from it i think i was making and four or five thousand pounds, like at my peak, which as an eighteen-year-old is insane, and it kind of just it creates a new standard for you know it creates a new level where I don't want to go uh, like below that. Although I did like straight away, so I was running it, and then um there wasn't like a point. I mean, there was a point where everything changed, but it was more just I kind of got complacent and got a bit lazy, and I was like, okay, cool, everything's fine now. I'm doing this, and I wasn't like constantly searching from where i wasn't like constantly searching for the next way that i can um you know help my clients and that kind of thing i was like i'm making money now let's just carry on doing what i'm doing and one by one they drop you because with that kind of service it's not a return on investment service it's more like a time saving service so unless you are doing a fantastic job there will be a time when the clients come to you and say yeah you've posted 30 times this month but i haven't made any money kind of thing and especially with like local restaurants and stuff it's difficult because you can get all the likes on the photos in the world but you can't value a customer that walks into the restaurant based off social media so it's very hard to keep them for like a period of time even with commerce and stuff like that so um, it, it kind of almost like fell off like all at once which is really like frustrating and upsetting like, one by one by one the clients kind of like dropped me almost uh, but I think it gave me a good lesson because I was complacent and I was like cool I'm happy now um, and I definitely could have scaled it more and more and like built out a team around it but I think it was almost like not my time. Like I, I wasn't that skillful yet. So even if I built a team, I don't think I would have been able to execute. So I'm kind of glad that it, it took that time and I am where I am now, or oh, I failed when I failed, because uh, it allowed me to kind of like reevaluate and then build the, the agency that I run now. So it's kind of like everything happens for a reason, but I'm glad it did happen.
0: It takes these uh, jolts or bumps in the journey sometimes to redirect you. And you said yeah. it, it, it's enabled you to run the agency that you run now. For the listeners, what what is that and how is it structured?
1: So yeah, I run an influence marketing agency. So it's um a, a funny story of how I kind of started that. So when my uh, uh social media management failed and stuff like that, I was um being an influencer. I get a brand every now and then. And one of the brands that I was talking to, the founder, it's like a startup. So the founder was like very in touch with you and very like um, wanting to absorb your social media knowledge. Uh, and I had a chat with him and I, I kind of used him as a mentor for a short period of time, like you know business advice. And he would just like, Use me for social media and asked him the question, you know, like, what can I provide to you that you would need as a company? Because being in the space that he was, it was a company that I wanted to work with. Uh, and then he sort of explained that, you know i like you as an influencer but i want a whole bunch of you like at my disposal where i can click my fingers and you'll post a video that kind of thing and i was like you know what what if i could build an agency that kind of it, it captivates that idea and that model and then that's what i built um with uh, a, a phrase i coined call called social media influencer pooling uh which is essentially building up a pool of influencers going to companies and saying here's an advertisement tool use this kind of thing um and that worked um really well yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, that term pooling is new, isn't it? Like I saw that on your on your bio, and I was reading through your website, and I was like, oh, I, I've definitely never heard of that before. Because I've mentioned to it a couple of times now, and, and I know you spent some time in, in in Portugal with him when you guys were were working remotely, which is another cool thing that we'll probably talk about during this episode. Yeah. But that is a that's a difference to the traditional model where brand A comes to you and you assign them to influencer A or B or C depending but you've actually got a pool where you're like oh let's let's work together as a a a group almost
1: exactly so it's sort of in between a talent management agency and an influencer marketing agency so obviously an influencer marketing agency would say we're an influencer marketing agency and a talent management agency because it's kind of like two different avenues whereas influencer pooling you haven't signed exclusive talent as influencers uh, but you're also not just an agency that works for a brand and goes cool let's find some influencers it's sort of like you already have a bunch of influencers in the industry that you think would be good and then when a company comes to you it's now your chance to pick out the perfect ones that suit them the best so it's kind of in between almost um but yeah it's more just like a a unique model that's like quick to execute brands love it because it's like here's a massive group of influencers let me know your you know your data and stuff like that and we can pick the perfect ones um uh, but yeah it's kind of i guess co- like coining it pooling was just like an idea to make it sound um sound different and it's just a just, just a different way to do it
0: and this is the main thing now for you calm is this the main focus
1: so yes I mean that and uh, another thing called uh, the Kaizen which is uh, the newsletter business that I'm building um, is the main focus at the moment it's sort of like Kaizen's on top a little bit at the moment just because it's it's my passion project plus the business that I want to grow into one of those like you know it, it will be a hundred million like pound dollar business one day so now it's just kind of like putting time into it
0: well I'm excited to talk about that one but <laughs> how passionate are you about um the the social media influencer pooling? like it, it's um it's a great business idea it's it's working well you've clearly got expertise you speak really well about it you've mentioned um, that, that kaizen is like the is the passion project how like how how much is the is the social media stuff like a a, a a ticking along in the background? How much do you still get like fired up to to push it forward? Because you you you've warned against complacency already during this conversation, which I
1: think is important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So with the with the influencer pulling, I mean, it was never really a passion for me. It was more like cool, oh, you know, everyone has the idea, but I need to make money online. So it was more coming up with a unique method and style and value that companies want um, to to make money. So it was never something that made me want to wake up every morning because. I mean, you either work on it because you love it and you love what it represents, this kind of thing, or you work on it because it makes you money. And it's more on the money side, whereas the Kaizen at the moment is much more because I love it and I think it can help people. Whereas the agency, it was always going to be a short term play just because, number one, I couldn't run it forever. And number two, it gets to a point where, you know, you make money from it, but then it becomes like, what's my passion? What's my purpose? And running an agency is not my purpose at all. It's more just like, cool, I'm at the stage of my life where I'm at. I need to make money, and the agency is a fantastic method to do so. So, um, yeah, it is definitely. I mean, it's still going. It's, it's, it's one of the main businesses I run, uh, but it's just not what, not, not what I want to do. I mean, it's still running fantastically, and I'm still scaling it. But it's more like, if I could stop everything now, I would just focus on the kaizen
0: exactly that so it's not the forever thing i think i think it takes a really good level of self-awareness to know that but also to appreciate that it needs to keep ticking in the background because it will allow you the financial freedom and the financial leverage to build things like the kaizen if the kaizen doesn't kick off immediately to the financial levels that you're aiming for at least you've got this. Not, I don't want to say safety net, but you've got this ticking along, and it's supporting you yeah, to yeah. live the lifestyle Absolutely. that you've got to to move to Manchester, which at the age of nineteen is a is 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 a big big step. And we were talking before this about. Well, I'm I'm literally just back from work in Manchester. It's it's cool that you up sticks at the age of nineteen and decided to to move north from uh, from your hometown. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, no, that was a that was a huge decision that I made. Um, as I said, I, it's about five months ago now, uh, and it still feels quite surreal. You know, it's like. It takes a long time, I think, to really settle in from living with your parents, what, for 18 years and then being in charge of yourself. It's it's a big switch, but no, I'm loving it so far.
0: Yeah, that's great. One of the things that I find funny is that You've not gone down the university route, which is when a lot of people move out for the first time and they explore yeah. that. Actually, unusually not the case in Scotland. About 40% of students in Scotland actually live at home for university, and that was actually myself. Um, because I got into Glasgow Uni, I was able to get in and keep costs low because I was commuting in and out rather than living in halls for five, six grand, however much a year, which is um, obviously a cost that adds up across the um, across your degree. But you choosing to move out when you're actually earning this online money and these online businesses which allow you location freedom, which is really cool, that is you definitely embracing a level of discomfort that you didn't necessarily have to out of necessity.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I completely agree. I mean, there was um, obviously part of the reason for moving out was because it was, i say it's about time to move out. I don't think there's a right time, but it's more like I could. It was more of like a why not reason. Like I was trying to come up with reasons to why do I not move out? Um, And then me me and my girlfriend was sort of like, might as well kind of do a thing um but i think it's also because it put me in my it, it put me in like the, the the deep water again right because now i have to kind of not build everything up because i'm an apartment everything's here but it's more like taking care of yourself now there's also responsibility on your shoulders where I mean, obviously i don't work because i'm scared i have to pay the bills but it's more like it gives you an extra reason to and that kind of thing and it's like now i am in charge of my own life i can't Become complacent. I can't chill. I can't re- not relax. But I can't sort of like take my foot off the gas because you know then I could go back to ground zero. So it gives me a reason to keep pushing forward. And of course, with the discomfort, it's now I'm meeting new people uh, in Manchester I've never met before. I'm putting myself out there more, uh, and that kind of thing. And it's also like a, a mindset switch. Now I want to be more out there and meeting people and kind of just doing stuff, saying yes more, and that kind of thing.
0: I think in terms of cities that you've chosen, Manchester is definitely the second city of the uk and like a coming force as well it's a bit of a northern powerhouse It's one of the terms yeah, it's used and i think you can see that with the kind of people that are congregating there when i spend time there it feels young it feels vibrant it feels aspirational it feels like while i'm working there in the corporate space it also feels entrepreneurial and you getting to have that level of network that's not london but is is a city that has a similar vibe to it must be helpful for you i suppose
1: 100% 100% I mean it's not that uh you know you walk out in the street and there's entrepreneurs there but it's more that you know that other people uh other people live here right and it's just like you said it's a very vibrant city and a lot of the people I've met have literally been through LinkedIn messages they're being like by the way I live in Manchester I run an agency let's meet here and the kind of thing and it's like now you're living this lifestyle would I move to Manchester and like not go out and meet anyone no because it doesn't really make sense it doesn't it doesn't add up so it's kind of like now I've put a whole new switch on my life as I'm moving out but I'm also just trying to do everything meet people and uh, experience new things and that kind of thing
0: yeah very very cool to see you 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 taking that step forward and and pushing forward um yeah I I do see some young kind of men in the kind of red pill entrepreneurial space talking about like living with like your girlfriend is like a, a potential disadvantage but I think you're maybe pushing back on the on that narrative with the decisions that you're making
1: Yeah, no, I've had a lot of conversations with people about this because I think there's a very negative connotation Uh, and I do get it completely. There are, you know, I think it's about the relationship that you have. Luckily, when I started my kind of journey, I already had my girlfriend. So I kind of like built it up alongside and she understood as well. If I went into a relationship, whilst i was at the stage i was I will be currently at i think i would be an awful partner because it's like my time is 100 towards what i'm doing my work and what I, my purpose is and if i then had to split it up between a girlfriend i now had i think it would massively impact what i'm doing in my kind of journey but because i built it up with my girlfriend it's more like she she just understands it as well which is huge it's like it's just like a stress off my shoulders where she gets why i'm doing what i'm doing she'll get why at nine o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night but i've got a call. Cool, gotta go and it's just like yeah it's completely fine so i think it's massively important it's about finding the, like the right girl right that kind of um helps you uh, helps you do what you got to do and of course when it comes to the times you would know as well when stuff doesn't go right right it's like uh you have like a week period where stuff's going awful you can vent and they can listen and they can understand so i think if you find the right person because i do i do hear people saying like no it's a distraction this kind of thing but you know in life you kind of need the um you need the like uh i would would say like partially a balance but you also need like different attributes to help you moving forward and not everything needs to be a positive return on investment you know happiness and stuff like that is an investment within your inner self it doesn't have to be anything i touch or anything i do during the day has to be a return on investment in some way that's going to develop me and stuff like that you know i I think it adds different qualities that's what i'm trying to say
0: there's a lot to be said for some of the less tangible things that we can measure. And some of those are hormones. So I hosted a guy called TJ Power, who I kind of joke is the British Andrew Huberman. He talks about um, different <laughs> hormones that are going on inside our brain. Yeah. And by spending quality time with your partner, you're re- releasing a lot of endorphins. You're probably getting some oxytocin. These are vital when it comes to you being a regulated, happy, steady human in the times when you're needing to be focused, driven, the kind of Callum that's running businesses and trying to scale to 100 million with Like, you need to have the time away from that to recharge yourself with what you would maybe call like wholesome activities, so dinner with your girlfriend time away from your mobile phone kind of things that allow you to actually have connection and I think some of the guys that bad mouth that either have been hurt or they've maybe Mm -hmm. spent time with the wrong kind of women or they've had too transactional a relationship with women where there's been too much of a demand on their time and I certainly know that there's been girls that I've dated that have got, got a little bit of a buzz out of me maybe breaking some of my stricter self-development habits to spend time with them. Mm. But straight away, I've realized that that's the wrong kind of woman that I, I, should, I should be around in order to fulfill the kind of things that I want to do. So I think personality type values and how some of these aligned is the, is the crux of the matter rather than necessarily painting it all as good or all as bad.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. I also think that you know a lot of people think you know you'll get a girlfriend later on and that kind of thing. But if you're still on, if you're on the journey that you're on, there's never enough. Like you're always going to keep working. You never get to a point where it's like, cool, total. Now I've worked six hundred hours in my life. If I can slow down. You will keep working, so even if you're thirty five, you will still be working the same amount. So I think if you can find a girl that understands your values, understands what you're doing early on, it's good because you have to go for a patch where it's kind of like. It's, it's not awkward but it's a bit like um, you're a bit of like head-to-head because she wants you to spend more time and you know you're focusing on something else so I think going through that patch early on allows you to kind of like settle more earlier on because otherwise you go through that patch when you're 35 and you're trying to find a girlfriend and stuff like that so um, it's also you know do you see it as a girlfriend like a, a part-time fling or do you see it as kind of like the person you want to marry so find the right person with the right values i think can only add a benefit to your life and i think the people that are like no no girl just like focus 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 i get it to an extent but then it can dip into sort of like more like um toxic hustle culture where it's like nothing like no family this kind of thing block off everything just focus 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 so um yeah you need balance as you say right you need like regulation um because you're not a machine you are a human being you need to accept your hormones and your feelings and that kind of thing
0: I like that, and it's it, again it underlines your level of self awareness. I did mention like different personality types and finding the right woman that's aligned to you. I know that you have learned a tremendous amount from Thomas Erickson's book, surrounded by idiots. I've been lucky enough to host Thomas on on this podcast as well, which was a really cool moment last summer. What did you learn about your own personality type when you when you read that book?
1: Yes, yeah, so surrounded by idiots is um, is fantastic, and it was never actually a book that I went out of my way to find actually got it brought uh, for me from a uh, from a friend but it's fantastic and I love psychology I think it can teach you so much not only about yourself but around the people around you Um, and about my own personality I think what I came to realize that I didn't think I was is that I'm too uh, sort of like I'm too almost uh, beat myself up over the 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 mistakes that I make that only affect me kind of thing and I think it's it's something you to realize where you know, you you are sort of within your own head. I think people overthink it too much. Uh, and I, I can't re- even remember. I think I considered myself like a red slash blue person. I think I considered myself that, but I can't even remember now. Um, but yeah, I think... I used to beat myself up a lot. I mean, I still do beat myself up a lot when you mess up your own schedule or whatever it is, or you commit to reading uh, parts of a book every single day and then you don't do it. And there was like attributes within the book that sort of says, you know, um, these kind of people that are very, very controlling. Um, it's almost like I'm not controlling with other people, but I'm controlling with myself. And that can be a, a negative over like a long period of time.
0: Yeah, um, I've got red, blue traits as well. Red is like that leadership driving forward, relentless action, yeah, the see, blues. Yeah yeah and then the blue alongside that is like data analytical red uh, analytically led structure time blocking time management which i know is a big part of, of of your personality as well i do think it's a bit of a deadly combination and i i definitely think it's helped me both in my corporate career but also to scale the podcast alongside it while having uh, a, a good a good physical physique as well but like you say there are downsides to every personality type and Everybody, sometimes that yeah. can be challenging self-talk that can be being overly hard yourself it can be overworking to the point of potentially burning out all these different things that you have to counterbalance but i think throughout this conversation your self-awareness has stood out quite highly and if you don't understand or try to understand your own programming your own dispositions then you do put yourself on a path to ruin whereas if you've done some of the self-work to read books like that to have better understanding of your psychology and your makeup then you give yourself a much better chance of not burning out you give yourself a chance of finding a partner that aligns with you and supports you Mm -hmm. rather than maybe necessarily just plowing down the path of like relentless business growth
1: yeah no 100% agree um 100% I I never looked into sort of like I mean I of course looked into um what my girlfriend's colors were but I never tried to like align it to make it make sense uh because I think Everyone shares attributes of all the colors. It's just what you kind of like. What do you lean more on? Um, but I think understanding psychology and people is man. It's such a like a life hack. I think because even when reading that book, right, every friend that I would go and see or meet or know, I would like analyze what their colors were, right? And of course, teach I mean, he has a few other books. And of course, it teaches you, you know, how to kind of um, how to communicate with them in ways that they're going to respond positively and stuff like that. And then reading that and things like How to Friends and Influence People and like um, psychology and all the books that you can around people with laws of human nature is so beneficial. And I think it's something that a lot of people miss out on. I mean, the world is run by people. You communicate and deal with people. Everything is controlled by a person. So not understanding people and how they work, I think you'll just kind of leave them room for failure.
0: Yeah, you're definitely leaving um like value on the table or 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 opportunities and i'll i'll adjust how i speak to clients over email or over the phone based on what personality type i think they've got so like i was doing a proposal just before this call and the person that i'm dealing with is extremely blue but quite green as well so it's quite a lengthy long email lots of detail lots of caveats to each of the each of the points that i've made and then, of course, offering a follow up meeting for them to go through it line by line with me. And then every meeting I have with them, best believe there's meeting minutes and there's an agenda yeah, yeah. set in advance. But then I've got other clients that are maybe they own a large property portfolio and they do not have time to fuck about. They are just like, <laughs> Colin, is the price right? Is it what you gave me last time? Is the yeah. quality good? Great. And they'll just want to fight me for like an extra five grand saving. But they don't care if if I've sent like bullet points about when the installation date is going to be and everything like that for, for those that don't know and that are listening I, I, I work in the furniture industry and we supply into lots of different properties. And some people care down to the minutiae of like what what like what 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 type of material are you using for the 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 legs on the sofa. But some people literally don't give a, a a fuck and they just want to get to the point and you need to change your style accordingly, or they'll go and deal with somebody that will speak their language and will deal with them in a way that they want to be dealt with
1: hundred percent. I I think you can just, just understanding it, you can deal with different people differently. I I, uh, spoke about surrounded by idiots in a YouTube video and I gave the example of, you know, if you understood people to the T, even surrounded by idiots, it's the kind of thing where you could go into a job interview. You could assess the person for like 20 seconds. Are they a red person? Do they care about, are they a yellow person that cares about your feelings, your emotions and this kind of thing? Or do they just want to know what skills can you provide? When can you start kind of thing? Or do they want to know about your family? And you can kind of like assess it that way. And I think it's just, yeah, it's, it's something you're missing out on if you don't, because you either go in and, you know, you shake your, their hand, do they sit very openly, are they like the big boss CEO, or do they like, tell me about how you got here, how was the journey kind of thing. And it's just, it's just, you know, almost like you're very slightly, not manipulating them, but saying what they want to hear, right, in response to getting the answer that you want, and the, the result that you want, so It's just something to take advantage of, I think. And all the psychology books talk about it in some shape or form, like the art of persuasion or any kind of manipulation books, using, obviously, to to a positive light and to your advantage. Um, It's a fantastic thing to do.
0: Yeah, and again, just I sound like I'm complimenting you an awful lot, but very impressed that you've taken this on board at such a young age and are implementing it pretty relentlessly and equally able to share the lessons off the back of it too. Because, like I say, it's very easy to just binge all these books and like thomas erickson's got so many he's got surrounded by psychopaths surrounded by idiots and he's got the whole kind of surrounded by series you could read all five of them and not implement a single lesson from it or you could read surrounded by idiots once or even like three chapters of it and be like wow i'm i know myself and i know others around me an awful lot better but one of my favorite videos that you've done is your is your robert green one on the 48 laws of power yeah talk to me about that book what did you learn from it
1: yeah so uh, robert green um fantastic author and the actual uh the 48 laws of power kind of series is is something i made a TikTok video on ages ago uh i get i sort of like gave the hook as like the book that's banned in prisons because it was like removed from the prison system Uh, and everyone loved that and then obviously because there's uh there's laws people will just like stay because it's like a series like second law third law and then he came out of the book um uh 365 laws i think or something like that where it's basically like a law a day and then people love that because people would like comment their birthday wanted to know what the law was around their birthday so that that like series did so so well um and then robert green actually his publishing team um penguin actually sent me all his books because they they loved it as well which is really cool but force it was a power fantastic read um i always got a lot of hate around it as well because if you're like people you'll teach people how to manipulate others and it's like listen Yeah, it's kind of like you have to be able to filter what you consume and how you position it. It's the same thing with like Andrew Tate, right? A lot of people just consume his stuff mindlessly and they're like I am a robot, I listen to what he says. But if you can consume what he says, obviously ignore the stuff that he says to make him go viral in the waffle or just take on the the inspirational bits and the bits to help you become a better person, you're golden. It's the same thing with those kind of books. Like even Robert Greene says that, you know, he didn't re- he didn't write it to help you manipulate other people. He, he wrote it so that you can be aware of what people do and aware of the kind of tricks that people use and that kind of thing. It's a fantastic book. Um, and I think it, it applies a lot in life as well. Every now and then, you know, I'll kind of, I have it uh, over there. And I'll like skip through it or something, and it'll be like, damn, this like law really actually is like implemented in life, and you can see it around you and that kind of thing. Uh, and those kind of like series of books like N- human nature, art of seduction, they're just interesting as well, right? Because you're just like looking into the minds of other people and seeing how the mind works and how it can be manipulated, which is uh, super cool.
0: It sounds ridiculous to say, but until like a couple of years ago, I think he was underrated. I don't think people We're as aware of them as they are now. Equally, some of the things that he says about evolutionary psychology are like hard pills to swallow, particularly in this modern age where we can be a little bit, and I hate using the W word, but a bit woke and a bit soft about people's feelings. His facts don't care about your feelings in terms of how we're wired as human beings from a genetic standpoint. And when he shares those, some people get triggered, they get their back up, they disagree with it because it is sometimes like harsh psychological truths about how you're wired, but knowing those and accepting them to a certain point and and agreeing that you can push back and not everyone's a, um, is going to conform to the, to the standard. Some people will be outliers, but outliers are just that like, I always laugh when somebody's like, Oh yeah, I sleep like three hours a night and I'm fine. Statistically it's closer to zero. The number of people that can like afford to sleep less than six hours a night in terms of and function fully than it is to one. So the chances of you being that are, 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 are pretty much zero. So I find it funny when people see laws like the 48 laws of power and they disagree with them, like fundamentally, like, no, that's not how I am. Or that's not how society is. You're thinking, well, the chances are the majority is like that. So mm. you can't caveat everything. And I, I've said this before in a podcast, one of the reasons that Andrew Tate's message is so convincing when he speaks down the mic is. Because he speaks without caveats, without different, like, this will only apply to you if you're between 20 and 30. He just yeah. speaks his truth straight down the mic. And he sounds very convincing. He brings you along with him. Robert Greene's laws should be viewed in the same way where, yes, there might be some outliers. Yes, there might be some caveats. But just take it for for what it is at face value.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent agree. I listened to his uh his podcast with Stephen Bartlett. Uh, I think I can't remember what it was, but he said his books are being sold now the more than they ever had before because of how popular they become. And like you said, each law is like a slap in the face. Whether you take it the right way, or the wrong way, it's completely up to you and how you kind of react to what you consume is up to you. But it's it's truth, and you know that's the reason he gives he gives um, lessons from like history, right? Time, uh, but before any, any of us were alive. So I think it's it's. Yeah, no, it's incredible, and I think it's uh, you know, you're you're just sort of like missing out if you're not reading them because, like you said, Andrew Tate, it's like a slap in the face with what he says. But it's up to you and how you want to take it. You overtake it, and you're sort of like upset by it, and you're offended. It's kind of like yeah, you look at it like Ricky Gervais, right? It's like you could be sad if you want, but what is said is saying, truth is truth.
0: Yeah, well, 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 well said, Cal. Was there any um, that you read that particularly pushed you to do something different or make any changes in your own life?
1: With the forty laws of power, ah, uh, not 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 any that I can think of. Um, no, I can't. I can't think of any that I kind of like sat down and thought, you know, I'm going to change this this way. There are some bits and bobs I think that I've I've used in life every now and then. Like the, there's a law that just um, God, I can't remember what it is. I think it's like absence increases respect or something like that, where it's like you know when you're not around, when you're not doing this it can increase uh, your respect and i used that on tiktok um a little while ago where it's like you know if you actually spread out your videos you don't post so consistently your words are valued more and that kind of thing so sure there's a few different bits and bobs but there's nothing that i have like changed my life around it's more like uh, different ones that i've just taken on board
0: yeah sounds good to me and one of the things i was really keen to ask you is that you've chosen to build a number of different businesses rather than just scaling on one you've mentioned how important kaizen is to you in the in the longer term But some of the traditional business advice is to go really narrow, really deep on one project. Why have you chosen to go slightly more wide and broad?
1: Yeah, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to at all, and I, I'm completely familiar with that advice as well. And I've, when I was um, sort of at the peak of juggling the four businesses, and the good thing is, is that a lot of them kind of feed into each other. Like my personal brand, I consider it a business because the idea of recording and posting on YouTube and TikTok is recording, scripting, editing, analyzing, taking information, some of that. I consider it a business because I like block it out and yeah, parts of my day and stuff like that, but i didn 't mean to it was more like I started my personal brand and then developed the agency and then thought you know what other people I made some videos about it and people loved it, so I was like, I'll make some coaching about the agency and then I was like, I want to help people because of course helping people make money is a whole different different kettle of fish, but I wanted to help people and create something that stuck around and it wasn 't just like here's a cause, like, but someone's selling something for money and that 's why I developed the Kaizen so I completely agree. Um, but I think I'm balancing it a bit better than I was. Uh, even, even so I was sort of like speaking to him. I was like, I don't know what to do. And he was like, which one brings in more money? And I was like, no, I get that. But it's not what I'm focused on, right? I want to I wanna focus on this one. I should be focusing on this one. This one is how I started. So I don't want to drop this one. So um, I've been juggling it. Some of them I have sort of like toned down a bit and others I'm increasing. Uh, so I think I'm I'm finding much more of a balance. I, I journal as well. And I look back through my um, entries every now and then and one of the entries i was like i'm juggling too much focus on what i like pick one and focus on it i focus on it but i think um no i think i think i've like kind of completed my time quite well now and i'm like almost like uh, feeding each baby the right amount of food to allow it to grow but of course there's always a the caveat of like well if i just dropped everything and focused on one wouldn't i scale much quicker um but it's also about you know if i dropped my personal brand and, and the agency and that sort of stuff and focus on kaizen I wouldn't have as much fulfillment because I love creating videos. I love helping people, right? I love my Discord and stuff like that and seeing people put wins in the chat and stuff like that. So I think everything's quite well balanced uh, as it is at the moment.
0: I think that's a really good level of self-awareness and it doesn't surprise me at all that you journal and write down your thoughts. I think that's a common theme of many of the high performers that I've had on the podcast who have chosen to take time to write out where they're at, to review things in, uh, through the written word. What do you think have been the biggest upsides to you journaling, Calm?
1: I think it's um, it's definitely mind clarity above all because you know you'll get points out, you'll know as well um, when you're doing this kind of stuff where it's all dependent on you where everything will be boggled you feel like you're overthinking something maybe you know I don't know what it is like uh, for you specifically a podcast but with like content creation for me I feel like my my content style was rubbish I'll be looking at other people maybe I'll make content like them and everything can become very overwhelming because. Unless you have someone to rally your ideas off and your thoughts off as if they're like a, a personal therapist, then all you're doing is bounce around your head. So it's that kind of thing of, um, you know, write when you're overthinking, read when you have no ideas and that kind of thing, um, which I think is always... Um, massively helpful and there's another one i can't remember what it is but yeah i think it's just putting down my ideas on paper uh so so i can kind of and also i look back through them so i can see my progress which is quite important as well i think that's helped me a lot because whenever i write an entry i'll look back through like the past three entries um and just sort of see what i was struggling on have i improved on what i was struggling on have i actually done the solution to what i was struggling on Uh, and then if not i can just focus on that and put my energy towards that
0: what's the structure look like is it quite regimented (laughs)
1: it was it was very very good i did used to do it every single day but then it came to the point where i didn't have enough to write about during the days uh, because it was almost like with, with this business stuff it's not like you you face i mean you do face new challenge every day but a lot of it is just consistency right it's just like oh, i'm editing again i'm recording again i'm coming up with ideas again so it's not like um there wasn't a problem every single day so then i put it to every three days but it's very hard to be consistent with every three days unless I have an alarm. So now I just sort of do it um, every couple of days when I'm overthinking, which I think is the best way to do it, because also I can look back to when I was last overthinking or not overthinking, but just had a lot in my head, see if I figured out what the problem was and then uh, write down again. So yeah, I, I do try and do it consistently. I think it's good because it's almost like you've got a little personal therapist in the book. I keep looking over there because that's where it is. I'm trying to like, almost read through the pages. but um, But yeah, no, I think it's fantastic.
0: I like to hear that. I, uh, I primarily gratitude journal and for somebody that's aligned yeah, yeah. the way that I am and some of the things that you brought up in terms of maybe challenging um aggressive self-talk about what you should expect of yourself. That's been a bit of a game changer for me. And It's just been over three years that I've been doing that. And my ability to articulate myself and how I feel now is very, very helpful as well. And we've kind of joked about some of the red pill movement saying like, don't settle down with a girl and, um, like, play all into your business a lot of them would say like don't talk about your feelings either but i think um and i have so many talk uh, discussions now about masculinity um on on the podcast it's such a buzzword because i I feel very strongly that toxic masculinity is 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 completely incorrect and people shouldn't be demonizing a, a, a characteristic that helps men but i think as a masculine man being able to be brave enough to articulate and describe your feelings is actually a strong trait rather than a weak trait and through being able to write about how I feel on a day-to-day basis in the morning and in the night and kind of bookending my day in that respect, mm-hmm. that has enabled me to speak that into existence to the people I want to. I'm not screaming it online and shouting it for everyone to hear. But for those uh, closest to me, like my family and my closest friends, they know kind of how I'm how I'm feeling, which I think has been quite um, important. So I'm, I'm a big advocate of journaling, particularly from a gratitude perspective.
1: Yeah, no, 100% agree. I think it's, you know, we're very logical creatures at men, right? Nine times out of 10, we want to find out what the problem is and figure out a solution, especially with like feelings and emotions and stuff. If you are just letting it bounce around inside your head, there is no, you can't, you can't figure out problem solution. It's just like everything is there. So writing out allows you to then figure out problem solution which allows you to like you know solve whatever's going on in your head but I think gratitude journaling is fantastic as well because it is I think grass I mean um another thing I wrote about the Kaiser but grat- like self-gratitude and that kind of thing. I think it's like a little gateway to happiness as well because you know everything moves very very fast and I think it's you get quite caught up and to actually sit down and write I am happy for this. I'm grateful I have this. I'm grateful I did that two weeks ago that I've got me there now. I think it allows you to be quite happy and like content with yourself almost. Uh, Not content as in like, cool, I'm satisfied, but more like, you know what? Because everything is always chased, right? Everyone wants more, 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 want more followers, more money, this kind of thing. But when you realize I've got this far and you write it down, it's like, cool, no, I'm I'm happy with myself. Um, And I think that's really beneficial as well
0: yeah absolutely speaking of things that you've written down the the bio on your youtube i've written it down just a young guy trying to improve himself make a stupid amount of money and teach you how to do the same i certainly think you're achieving that but <laughs> i'm interested what does a stupid amount of money mean to you calum
1: yeah no that's a fantastic question so um, stupid amount because oh, it's, it's annoying because i'm so aware of it i'm so aware of the chase of the chase of money the endless chase where there's never an end but also I'm doing the chase myself because it's all of like I'm aware of it that it's a problem because you will chase money into the grave but also that's what I'm focusing on at the moment all I want is more and more and more so I am still working on trying to figure out cool where would I be happy um I've, I've gone through like the the efforts of you know creating um a dream life kind of budget thing where it's like I want to drive this car live in this house how much would I need but then it gets to the point where um it's yeah you just constantly want more because it's it's kind of like in society where more is better everything is better uh so i do chase more as well um a guilty as charged i think a stupid amount of money it's just money to the point where i don't know i wish i knew i wish i could say that is one thing i'm struggling with because i'm, I'm thinking you know at 50k a month imagine that i wouldn't have to do a single thing but then again i think um at, at the at the amount i'm at now I would be happy to drop it all just so I can focus on what I'm passionate about and what I'm per- like, what my purpose is. So I'm understanding more and more that purpose is the goal. And as long as I'm chasing something that I want, that like, gives me reason to wake up every single day, I'm happy. And money is just kind of like a product. As long as I can live happily and healthily and I'm, I'm able to chuck it around where I want to, then I'm, I'm all good as long as I'm chasing something and, put, and moving towards something.
0: There's a lot to consider. And again, I think your self-awareness shines through there. And like I say, at 19, you've got a lot figured out that many 19-year-olds won't have and you've put in a lot of the foundations that's going to allow you to be able to earn crazy amounts of money in the future should your path continue or should you decide to pivot into just one area or even completely scrap all four of these businesses and do something totally different if your mind so decided yeah. to in the in the future as well and I'm extremely excited to see where it all goes if i'm honest because i think you're doing a lot of the, the groundwork and the foundations now for it to be something Thank pretty you. special callum i'm sure the listeners have enjoyed this conversation i really have where would you like them to come towards and continue the conversation with you
1: oh god um go to uh my instagram i think that's the place to go it's just it's callum carver uh, i think i can communicate with people the best there as per to tiktok and stuff like that so uh go there um and then yeah you'll see you'll see more of me if you want to
0: that sounds good, Calm. That'll be linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time, Calm. I've really enjoyed that. And thank you to you, the listener. I'll be back to speak to you all again very, very soon.